This podcast is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. Visit the Tech Podcast Network at www.techpodcast.com. If it's tech, it's here. Welcome to Telcast, your creator national podcast. Episode 36. Welcome, listeners, to Gospel Gadget Podcast, formerly known as CalCast, your creator national podcast. We've changed the name to Gospel Gadgets because we want to show you what God is doing in terms of using technology to spread the gospel message all over the world and especially cross-culturally towards unreached peoples. This podcast is proudly listed at podcastpickle.com. Welcome again, Gospel Gadget Podcast listeners, to another great episode of Gospel Gadget Podcast. And today we have a tremendous speaker once again that was sharing at a recent Asian conference on missions and how media can be used for missions. This particular speaker has been doing animation, cartoon animation adapted to other cultures, a very, very interesting genre. And he has done many different people group presentations and animations, short and long animated films, and he is a wonderful, wonderful artist. Before he was a missionary, he worked with Ernie Ball, a famous guitar string company in the United States, doing their artwork, and he airbrushed two guitars for the Rolling Stones, if you can believe it. He was that good, and then he gave it all up to become a missionary. He is going to be presenting many of the techniques and many of the uh, insights that they have discovered over the years of working with different unreached people groups and how to effectively reach them with animated films. So enjoy this very animated and exciting presentation. Thank you very much for wishing me a happy birthday. I'm 56. Now you all know. You're not wondering anymore. Um, before, I, before I start talking about uh, the process that um, we use and just kind of giving, imparting to you um, how, what goes into doing an animated um, short film, um, I wanted, it just occurred to me just now, I, we really need to talk about why use an animated short, for, uh, for, short film versus a live action film in the first place. And 
it, it has occurred to me that there's several factors involved in that. Number one is we found that um, in many parts of the world, it's difficult to walk in with a film crew, with tripods and big cameras and all that, and make a film without attracting a lot of negative attention. Um, I knew a story of a guy one time in China that got kicked out for filming a buffalo that fell into a ditch because it reflected poorly on the government somehow. So you have to be, you have to be careful sometimes how you make a film. And it, so the advantage to cartoons is you can go in and record the voices in a studio somewhere that's you know, unseen by um, the, you know, the prying eyes. And then you come back and you do all the actual work in your home country. So in that sense, cartoons can be useful. But even more so, I find that if you are working with a culture that has a really strong um, artistic sense, like a, a history of, of embroidery or a certain kind of art, then to use their art to tell the gospel is really, really powerful. And I, I can't tell you the number of times that we've seen that happen, where people will look at something and Oh, that looks like our, um, you know, our our style of painting. This this really touches me, you know, and so that's the kind of thing that you can get when you're when you're using art to share the gospel. And we found that to be um, true in most of the cultures that we've worked with. Um, every culture has their own art forms, but some some are more uh, outward and more obvious than others. So I'm gonna um, just encourage everybody on how to do animation. Don't have much time. I'm actually gonna cover it all in two minutes right now in one film, which I can thank Todd for sharing this with me. So this will tell you everything you need to know about how to be an animator. Okay, that's it. We can all go home now. Um, so the process that we use uh, at our studio, and it's constantly changing every year. I just, I just updated this because last year was different than this year, and uh, uh, I think probably every production is going to vary somewhat, but um, we kind of divide our process into three sections, um, pre-production, production, and post-production, and at the beginning, we always start with research. Uh, we begin with Google, of course, and uh, from there, we, we also communicate with our project partner. We gather information from the internet, but actually whatever we get from our project partner always takes precedence. So if there's a disagreement, um, for example, right now we're working on a project for the Nashi, and the Nashi people have a, um, a background, a religious background called the Dongba religion. And we were really excited about trying to find bridges in this, but once we talked to the people on the field, they said, Nobody believes that anymore, right? Yeah, the, the, this um, pipeline's in your notebook if you want to refer to it. Um, so we found that whenever there's a disagreement between what we see on Wikipedia or, you know, Ethnologue or whatever else we're looking at, we always go with the project partner. They're the ones that are going to be using the film. They're the ones that know their people group the best. And so we, we always um, default to them. So we also do... Um, We'll explore musical themes. We start sketching different kinds of uh, concept art. What are the backgrounds going to look like? What are the characters going to look like? Um, but even before that, we're already thinking of different story ideas. We brainstorm. Uh, we're using a program, an online program called Basecamp, 
to get all our ideas together and communicate on the project. Um, and then from that, we go into the script and then have the script translated. So by the time we start our production, which is on the field, we need to have a completed, working, translated script. And that process takes a while because we're going back and forth between uh, us and the project partner on the field. So when we get to the field, we're usually there anywhere from a week to two weeks. And there's really three reasons why we go there. Number one, we have to record voices. So that could mean anywhere, that could be anywhere from one voice if it's a narrated film or, you know, up to six or seven, hopefully not too many, uh, depending on how many characters there are in the story. And, uh, and then during the time that we're recording, the rest of our team will be storyboarding. Um, and part of the team will also be going out doing research. They're going to museums, villages, performances, just to get a real sense of what the people group is like. If we did all of this from the internet, we would certainly not really capture the heart. So, so we, it's very important, even though we're doing cartoons, to go there, to go to the field, get to know the people, you know, experience how they think, and enjoy the food, of course. I threw that in for Steve. Um, then we come back to our studio in Taipei, and then the fun part begins. And by, by fun, I mean hard work. Um, so we take it from a storyboard level to something called an animatic. Uh, an animatic is sort of a semi-animated storyboard, which helps us work out how long each um, individual shot is going to be. Um, unlike regular filmmaking, where you might go out and shoot 30, 40 hours of film for a one-hour production, and you, know, you only use a small portion of that, we really don't want to animate stuff that we're not going to use. Because it, it takes us, um, I think we figured out one time, like something like three weeks per minute. So we really don't want to be animating stuff unless it's going to be used. Those, those um, outtakes that you see Pixar and other companies doing at the end of their credits, they're not really outtakes. So um, we also do character turnarounds. That is designing what the character is going to look like. Those are kind of like standard sheets, what the character is going to look like from different angles, um, backgrounds. Uh, we do the voice processing. Some of the project partners request that the voices be disguised. So we'll put them through voice disguising software. Um, and then we pull all that together into Adobe Flash and do the individual shots. And I think our, our productions have ranged from, I don't know, 120 to 200 shots for a, for a film. Um, then we go down to, we export those and put them into uh, Apple Motion where we add effects like water, fire. Um, you'll see some examples of that in a minute. Uh, stuff that's easier to animate using um, particle generators as opposed to doing uh, doing it in Flash. From there, we go down to the editing phase. We also pull the, we pull the voices in. And during this time, from the animatic, we have somebody usually doing our, our music. Uh, we gather music from the field, but we like to have original music done. So we work with different people um, to do the scoring for the film. And then we end up with a, a final product, which we export for online distribution. And also, we're still doing uh, DVDs. Um, some parts of the world, they're still being used. So that's kind of our, that's kind of our production pipeline. And as I said, it, it varies because each time we do something a little bit different depending on what artists we have and what the 
what the needs of the people group are artistically. So, so just to give you a few examples of this process, um, I brought this one up at the, at the EMDC. This is a film we did called Coconuts um, in Rajasthan. And we did this one for 10 languages, so we, only, we, we limited it to two characters so that we'd only have to record two voices because everything had to be multiplied by a factor of 10. So if we had five characters, it would have been 50 voice recordings. So we limited it to two characters. One of the ways we, we uh, dealt with that issue is one of the characters in the film never talks. He's like a, a four-year-old boy that just whispers in his brother's ear. You only know what he says. You can only tell what he says from the reaction of his brother. Um, so we start out with art and cultural research. Here's some of the artwork that we found in uh, Rajasthan. Very colorful, very bright culture. It's such a pleasure to be there. Um, they use these wooden puppets. They do puppet shows. And uh, so we base the gospel portion of our film on this kind of style. And then we started writing treatments. We had all kinds of ideas. Uh, we knew we were going to do it about a story about two teenage boys that steal something. Originally, we had them stealing um, butter, which is you're probably wondering why. If you have a Hindu background, you know that there's a uh, story where um, I don't remember who it was that stole some butter when he was a child. Anyway, they didn't like that idea, so we changed it to peanuts. So, and we write the script after that, and um, get it. We, in this case, we had it translated into Hindi right away, and then on into the different 10 Rajasthani languages. For character designs, essentially we had two different styles of animation going. We divided the team up in half, and half the team worked on the story of uh, Abhay and Bhagwat, who are the two, two um, Rajasthani boys in the film. But then, when they hear the gospel, we go into a different style of animation where we use this um, Rajasthani puppet style. So these are the, these are the characters for the, uh, the main story, and then these are the, some of the character designs for the puppet style. And then we go and do the storyboard. So that's a lot of work, but we have everybody gets involved. We divide it up so that pe different people do different sections of the storyboard. Uh, we compile all of it in a database program called FileMaker Pro. Um, that way we can add in frames and take out frames without having to, you know, mess with paste up and all that. Um, then we go on the field for our production and do the voice recordings. Sometimes we use ho hotel rooms, people's houses. Um, best situation is a recording studio, but we don't always have that available. In Rajasthan, we did it mostly in hotel rooms. Um, one point we actually had the power out and we were having the person read the script with our iPhone flashlight, you know, which you do what you have to do. Um, also do the research. We found a lot of culture there that added to what we'd already researched on the internet. And then we produced our animatic. Here's an example of what an animatic looks like. So it's essentially the, it's essentially the storyboard that we then, um, I turn that one down. So it's the storyboard that we um, just scan in and then we start moving the frames around and make sure the dialogue, you know, how long the dialogue is for each shot, where we're going to do the cuts. And when we make these shots, we always buffer them by one second after and one second before because that way the editor has a chance to do a crossfade or whatever. So we never just do the length of the shot. 
we always buffer it. Um, and then we go into to, um, uh, post-production and do all of our work in Flash. Early on, we were doing, we were combining the backgrounds and the character animation in Flash, but lately, we've, we, this last project, we didn't do that because we found that certain, uh, if, the, if the file's too complicated, it's really hard to work in Flash. If you have too many things going on, too many symbols, it gets bogged down and uh, has a hard time exporting. So now we just do the characters in Flash and we combine them in uh, motion, which I'll show you a little later. So here, um, one of the ways in which we're able to do these films with a small number of staff uh, is that we do it in connection with a training program, which we call the School of Cartooning and Animation for Missions, which we run uh, once a year in Taipei. And it's a six-month school that is part of the um, YWAM's University of the Nations. So it does require uh, a DTS. So if anybody wants to get this kind of training and how to make these kind of films, and you want to take a year out, do a DTS in Taipei, or you could do a DTS here at Cre uh, Create Thailand, and um, take this school. And we'll train you how to do this kind of thing. But if you don't have that much time, um, this year in particular, we're doing some shorter seminars of two weeks each. So I just want to mention these because uh, actually the first one starts the day after tomorrow. I'm starting on the comics and cartooning seminar. So this is a two-week seminar that's open to non-YWAMers. You don't have to have any uh, prerequisite at all. You can come and spend two weeks learning about comics and cartooning. Uh, first week, we cover mostly Western-style comics and um, uh, comic strips, comic development, comic theory. Uh, the second week, we have a, a real Japanese manga instructor who comes from Japan. Uh, some of you may be familiar with the Manga Messiah series. She did the first uh, she did the Old Testament books of that. So she teaches the second week of that seminar. Uh, we also are doing a digital graphics seminar, which is one week of Photoshop, one week of Illustrator. We teach the overall program, but we're focused more on how to use those to prepare for, um, to pre prepare something to be animated. Um, and then finally, we have a seminar on digital 2D animation, which is taught, uh, one week is taught by me, the other week is taught by uh, our animator, instructor from Singapore who um, used to work with uh, Nickelodeon Asia and does a lot of Nickelodeon-style, Cartoon Network-style animation in Flash. So if you're interested in any of these, you can go to this website here. Um, we don't have the cost on the website, but the cost for, the two -week, for a two-week seminar is 6,000 Taiwan dollars, which you're going, how much is that? It's about 200 US, something like that. That doesn't include room and board. We'd have to work that out separately. So anyway, if you're interested, there's an application on there. You can just uh, contact me at, the email, at my email, which is also on that website. And I think we have just like one minute, 25 seconds for questions. Any burning questions? Yes. You want to you get him? The, does he have, you have an extra mic? OK. Huh? <laughs> now, what's... What's the name of the? Uh, what's the name? There we go. What's the name of the program you use for disguising voices? Because I've been unable to find something like that. I don't like Audacity; it doesn't do it very well. Uh, let me. I think it's called. It's actually used by gamers to disguise their voices when they're playing games. It's called um, Morph Vox. M O R. Oh, it's not up there. M O R P H V O X. Yeah. Not, it's not too expensive. 
Anybody else? Yeah, Todd. Well, um, because we do it with our school, so we're kind of locked into that schedule, we have 12 weeks of pre-production. But that doesn't usually start until the second or third week of our school. So essentially probably about 10 weeks of pre-production, then about 10 days of production, and then about anywhere from three to four months, typically, of post-production.